the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to The Advocate with your host, Nick Phillips. And now, here's your host, Nick Phillips. Good evening, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another edition of The Advocate. And uh, tonight we're going to talk about something very personal to you, and that is your dental health, your teeth. Um, Teeth are very small. We have over 30 teeth in our mouth usually for most of us who are healthy. And if you have ever had a toothache, one little tooth can cause so much pain and take up so much of your attention and your day that uh, you wonder how could something so small be such a problem. Well, we're going to talk tonight about dental health and what you can do to improve your dental health with uh, one of our, not only a good dentist, but a good friend and a good sponsor of The Advocate, Dr. Carl Hedgie. Uh, Dr. Hedgie, thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you for having me. Thank you. It, it's always good. And I, I really meant what I said about the fact that if you have a toothache, it just sort of dominates your consciousness and you, you can't get anything done. You can't think of anything uh, with such a small thing. And, well, and interestingly, I, oh, I'm sorry. Interestingly, I, I personally just experienced about two weeks ago my very first root canal, my very first toothache in my life, and I can personally attest to that. Yes. Oh my goodness, a tooth canal, a root canal in a tooth. Yes. Well, I thought dentists are immune from that kind of stuff. <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately, we're not. So, well, I hope you found out as I did. I had a couple of them over the years, and they're really not as bad as they sound. No, no, not at all. Uh, and thank thank goodness for uh, anesthesia and, and medication and all that good kind of stuff. But uh, just uh, a little bit about your background, Carl, if you can tell us a little about, for those people who haven't heard about you before, uh, don't know anything about you, tell us a little bit about your background and, and what your focus is with regard to general dentistry. Okay. Well, like you, Nick, I've been around quite a while. I graduated from Ohio State University Dental School in 1978, so I am... Um, into my 40 years of practicing as a, as a dentist. When you realize you've been doing what you're doing more than half your life, it's kind of a, a sobering experience. But I love what I do. And I began truly as a full, kind of a jack of all trades, general dance where I did basically everything. You know, more and more my practice has become somewhat specialized and it's mostly referral based with uh, jaw and head pain issues. But um, we still have a hygienist and we're still very, very conscious of those general dental problems that we address them every day in our practice. Well, I know the interesting things, like in any practice, whether it's a law practice or it's a, a dental practice, is handling the unusual complicated cases. But uh, without all the glitz and glamour, basic dentistry, uh, for our listeners out there, what what should people just be getting as a baseline for good dental health? How often should they see a dentist, and, and what do they need to do? Well, you know, those are excellent questions, and I, I think if we talk about what causes dental problems, what can cause tooth pain, what can cause you to lose teeth, there are two primary issues. One is just bacteria, bacteria, and those cause gum disease and tooth decay. Other issues, which we're not going to get into this evening, involve those biomechanical issues, which we talked about on a separate show. But when we talk about those microbial or bacterial issues, you know, things haven't changed a whole lot. We understand that that there are bacteria that enter into our mouth that are actually a part of our normal flora that thrive on carbohydrates, and they turn that carbohydrate into uh, an acid, and that acid dissolves the tooth, and that's, that's what a cavity is. And, and patients should understand, too, that you don't have a healthy tooth today and a cavity tomorrow. It's a process where it demineralizes. And one of the great things is that with preventative care, with radiographs, especially the digital radiographs now, which use so little radiation, we can see and detect those areas of decalcification, you know, the beginnings of the breakdown process before there's really any irreversible damage done. And they can oftentimes be halted and stopped. And so the regular uh, care is a very important thing. Now, how often that should be? It really is an individual situation. You know, the old saying of see your dentist twice a year, that literally, the science behind that, that was based on a toothpaste commercial that advocated that back in the 1950s. There's, there's really no science behind that at all. And so typically still, though, most patients will see their dentist twice a year. 
we have many patients that are more problem prone that would recommend seeing every three months. And that's not at all unusual. All of our, because of our diets, our habits, our immune systems, you know, we're not all created equal. And so I think the very important thing here is that you really should discuss with your dentist, now how often do I need to come in to see you? And oftentimes those decisions are impacted by insurances, but unfortunately there's really no science behind that. And I really encourage you, you know, especially if you're problematic with either gum disease or with, with tooth decay, to really consult with your dentist or your hygienist to see, you know, what is the optimum frequency that you should be seeing so that they can get in and clean the things out that you really can't get to and to get them out of there before they cause any problems for your gums or for tooth decay. Wow. Well, you know, going back to that 1978-79 time frame, uh, I, I started out uh, with you at that time as you were starting out. And my philosophy has always been with regard to tooth and teeth and, and how uh, the mechanics of, of the jaw and the teeth all work. Uh, my philosophy has always been if there's a problem, get it taken care of. Don't wait like six months or a year because generally, mechanically, it's not going to self-improve. Uh, why, why is that a good idea? Well, again, as you said, and, and I will attest to the fact that, that Nick is speaking the truth there. Nick is one of the most proactive, ideal patients you could imagine. He, he first of all, he trusts us. He has a, a relationship with us and takes our advice. But again, the, again, the frequency, how often it's done, you know, as far as your, your home care, and first of all, I think it's something you're leading up to here, is that it's really more important what you do at home than what we do for you in the office. You know, our, our job is to kind of direct you and to educate you. And the typical patient really should clean their teeth, you know, two to three times a day. And it's important, you know, uh, we, we talked about flossing. You know, they have typical toothbrushes. As a general, a generic statement, I would say that the mechanical toothbrushes, the electric toothbrushes that are now available, do a far better job than just hand brushing. That I will say across the board. That is true. And in addition to that, flossing is excellent. But as we get older, there are these little brushes now, these little gum brushes. They look like almost a little mini Christmas tree that we can we can put in between our teeth. And they do an excellent job to supplement the flossing. In addition, if we think of brushing and flossing, those are, as you said, mechanical cleansing. You're, you're rubbing, you're scraping yourself off. Oftentimes, we can supplement that mechanical cleansing with some, with some um, solutions that are antibacterial. And even like Listerine mouth rinse, there are a number of other stronger solutions that your dentist can give you that very much will not only increase the, 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 the uh, removal of, of structure, or not structure, but of, of the plaque and the bacteria, but any plaque or bacteria remaining will be killed by the chemicals. So the, the supplementation of mechanical brushing with, with brushing and flossing with the chemicals, the mouth rinses that are available is excellent. And also the use of fluoride, fluoride mouth rinses. You know, we don't really need toothpaste. In fact, toothpaste, interestingly, is an abrasive substance. We have a number of patients who are eroding their teeth as a result of their toothbrushing habits and their toothpaste. And for those patients, we will have them simply brush with a mouth rinse. There's nothing special about toothpaste. It's, it's the mechanical action of the toothbrush or the floss and supplemented by chemicals. And you can get those chemicals through mouth rinses as well as you can, or in many cases, even better than you can with toothpaste. You know, we're, we're going to sort of jump ahead a little bit because let's assume all of our listeners are are doing all that stuff. They're brushing their teeth and uh, they're seeing their dentist and all this stuff. But um, as we age, sometimes we're going to have to have a tooth removed. What, what are some of the causes that will today require a tooth being removed? Like you had a, a root canal. That, that saves a tooth. But even sometimes that doesn't work. What, what are some of the conditions that require you to go and have a tooth extracted? Is that common? Um, well, not so much. And again, it's going to certainly vary from area to area. And, you know, from, from the city, the inner city, to more affluent areas. But back in the day when we both started our practices, the biggest number one cause of tooth loss was tooth decay. And with the advent of fluoride and improved home care, more and more tooth decay is, a, is an unusual, a very unusual cause of tooth loss, at least in my practice. Other thing is, is, is just the loss of, of bone around their teeth, periodontal disease or pyorrhea, whatever you want to call it. That, along with, with um, tooth decay, are still the primary causes of tooth loss. And again, they are both the result of, they're both the result of bacteria, bacterial organisms that are in our mouth. 
Now, on top of that, though, because even those issues have been addressed to a much greater degree, we see much less severe tooth decay and much less severe gum disease than we used to. And oftentimes now what we see as being more and more a cause of tooth loss is just mechanical failures, teeth breaking, teeth cracking off. And oftentimes that's because of previous fillings that have been done. Um, but the bottom line is that oftentimes teeth are lost because they are structurally they're broken down. There's just nothing left of the tooth that we can even build a crown on. Well, that, and when that happens, uh, again, you're going to have to do something about it because uh, if you have a broken tooth or a tooth has to come out or you develop an infection in the tooth and you uh, start just letting things compound and get worse if you don't get it taken care of, you're, uh, you're facing an extraction. Now, is that, uh, well, we're, we're almost out of time for this segment, but uh, when we come back, we'll, we'll talk about what... Uh, what do you do about that tooth and how soon do you have to get it out and what are the options for having a tooth removed? Because I guess um, that's maybe a little rarer now if you take care of your teeth. But we're talking to Dr. Carl Hedgey, a general dentist and uh, out in North Rolton, Ohio, and also a, a great sponsor of The Advocate, which we thank him and appreciate him sponsoring this program. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back after these words, and we'll be again talking to Dr. Carl Hedgey about uh, dental health and now what happens when you lose your teeth. So don't go away. You're listening to Nick Phillips here on WHK, The Advocate. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Pat Lamb. Select Insurance Services is a family-run business and your personal shopper for auto, home, and business insurance. Plus, I'm Dave Ramsey's endorsed local provider. I think you'll agree, insurance is confusing, but at the same time, it's very important to your financial security. We believe insurance should be secured through a professional. Why? Because one wrong click in the do-it-yourself plan could cost you everything. Our approach stands out because we ask the right questions, listen to your personal situation, and share our knowledge to close potential coverage gaps. This is an experience a do-it-yourself plan can't provide. Did you know there could be a coverage gap when you drive someone else's car? So call us today, 440-237-8555, or check us out at selectinsservice.com. 440-237-8555, or selectinsservice.com. Hi, this is Nick Phillips, host of The Advocate. Pat Lamb and Select Insurance have been my insurance agents for years. Wonderful to work with and never a hassle. Call Pat Lamb at Select Insurance for your insurance needs. More than just a dentist, Dr. Carl Hedgie provides dental treatments for occlusions, TMJ problems, and for aesthetic rehabilitation. In dental practice for over 30 years, Dr. Hedgie has provided state-of-the-art dental treatment for all of his patients. Dr. Carl Hedgie is skilled at treating and resolving complicated dental problems. Located across from the North Royalton High School, call Dr. Hedgie's office for an appointment or visit his website at drhedgie.com. That's Dr. Carl Hedgie, H-E-G-Y-I at 440-237-3338 for the very best in dental care. Children, the product of a married couple who were once in love. Unfortunately, sometimes the marriage does not work and parents must get divorced. This is traumatic for the children as well as for the adults. The law firm of Phillips & Millie offers advice and representation in family law matters. Remember, your children are entitled to the utmost consideration when mom and dad have to part. Phillips and Millie, your local law firm on the west side of Middleburg Heights. Telephone 440-243-2800. You didn't plan it this way. You spent your entire life being careful, protecting your body and staying healthy when the carelessness of another changes your life forever. You need to know what's expected of you to prove your claim. You further have been changed forever. Know it's up to you to make your case. The lawyers at Phillips and Millie together have over 80 years of experience. If you have a case or think you may, call the law firm of Phillips and Millie at 440-243-2800. Welcome back with you with another segment of The Advocate. Uh, we're talking to Dr. Carl Hedgie, a dentist uh, who is telling us how to make sure we don't have any tooth problems and if they develop, uh, what to do about it. And uh, again, uh, Dr. Hedgie, thank you for joining us. Thank you again. Thank you. You know, in the last uh, segment, we uh, were talking about what happens when you get to the ultimate in life, uh, with the life of a tooth at least, that the tooth has to go. 
because it's either fractured or there's an infection or something going on there. Um, is that something a general dentist should do, or do, should you go to an oral surgeon, or how does that work? Well, it's certainly going to depend on the training of the general dentist and um, the patient situation, the difficulty of the situation. But one thing I would like to make make a note kind of on that subject of, of you know, you have a tooth, and, you know, oftentimes I explain to patients that it's not a matter of this tooth is absolutely perfect. We can fix it and be 100% sure it can be saved or it's hopeless. You know, there's everything in between. And when, you know, when I first started in practice and up until about 15, 20 years ago, we would do anything we possibly could to save a tooth, even, even if the, the chances of it surviving and, and, and existing and being useful again was really low percentage. And patients oftentimes would spend lots of time and lots of money and go through a lot of procedures, unpleasant procedures, and ultimately lose teeth. Well, fortunately, with the advent of, of implants, dental implants now, that decision becomes much easier because in the past there really was not a good substitution for the loss of a single tooth or even a multiple teeth. Anything that we would put in to replace missing teeth always depended upon being support. So if you have a tooth that's missing and you decide to, to replace that tooth, and I think it's worth noting too, it's not necessary to replace necessarily every single missing tooth. There are cases where, you know, when I was younger and very zealous, you know, every tooth that came out needed to be replaced. That's not necessarily true. And, and that's a decision to be made between you and your dentist. But if a tooth did need to be replaced, it was always dependent upon the adjacent teeth, the teeth next door, or the gums to support that. And what we understood and found out and discovered was that whenever you did that, we put bridges in and partial dentures in, we were actually compromising those teeth that were supporting that additional tooth or teeth. But with the advent of, of implants, the great thing about it now is that now we have missing teeth, rather than replacing that tooth causing an increased chance of losing other teeth, it actually enhances the chances of keeping those remaining teeth because it doesn't rely on those adjacent teeth and doesn't put a stress or a burden on them or subject them to possibly more gum disease or tooth decay. I think the biggest question in people's minds with regard to dental implants is how much do they cost? Um, the, uh, I know that the whole idea of dental implants, you can, as you age, replace a tooth at a time or a couple teeth at a time and avoid the need for dentures. Uh, so I don't know whether or not the number of people with dentures has decreased over the years as people are choosing the implant route. But the question is, how expensive are these things? We, we hear uh, you know, astronomical stories. Uh, if you have to have like 10 teeth replaced with implants, it could cost a fortune. Uh, can you share any of that with us? Yeah, in, in very general terms, because once again, there's not a, a single answer to that. And, and the, the cost that's involved depends upon a number of factors. For example, and a big factor is whether or not there's enough bone around that area where the implants can be placed. Is there, is there a, a need for grafting, either into the sinuses? Is there, is there a need for additional surgical procedures to be done with the implant? And that's a big factor in, in um, the cost of the implant. In addition, if we're replacing multiple teeth, for example, very commonly we'll replace a whole arch, a whole, a whole jaw, like upper or lower with implants, you don't, need, you don't need to have an implant for every single tooth you're replacing. In fact, on a whole arch, we can replace a whole upper or lower arch with only four implants. And there, there are multiple issues, but the, the, the cost is gonna vary all over the place. I, I would say as a typical cost for a single implant that really didn't involve any additional surgery and it's important to remember, when we're doing implants, we're not doing implants that have implants, we're doing implants that have teeth. And so, in addition to the implant itself, the surgery part, there is the crown and what we call the abutment that is necessary. But when you put all things together, it's probably an average figure for a single tooth without additional, it's probably in the range of about 3000 to $3,500. That would be probably a, a round figure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and uh, are people... You know, I'll be honest, I, I very rarely have people that are shocked anymore. You know, and I, I don't present that, but I, I think I think the awareness is out there now. I think that, you know, most people are much more highly educated and much more aware, and they mm-hmm. research and they look at things online. So it, it's really unusual, to be honest with you. It, it's very unusual that patients are shocked by that. They're, they're pretty much prepared to know what it is. Well, I think that uh, I do have an implant, and uh, it, to me, it it's absolutely doesn't feel like anything. It, it's just like a normal tooth completely, and uh, it, it apparently has stabilized everything around it, and uh, 
I, I don't seem to have any problems with it. So I, I would think people do that. And one of the other thoughts, uh, I know we would talk from time to time about enhancing one's smile. That seems to be a big thing that's on TV a lot. Um, if someone has a good smile compared to a, a bad smile, uh, that can make a lot of difference in just the way they face the entire world. Uh, do you do a lot of that, or is that something people are interested in? Absolutely, absolutely. And, and I think one of the things that's really important, and when patients come in and, and they bring up those issues or we, we mention them to them, we oftentimes, you know, I always time, think of, think of your smile. It's not, it's not like it's, it's the ugliest smile in the world or it's the perfect 10. You know, I say it's from a 1 to a, a 0 to a 10. But oftentimes the patient will say, well, you know, where do you want to be? You know, the closer that patient wants to get to a 10, you know, obviously the more prestigious and the more cost is going to be involved. And it's, it's always, I think it's important to do the least invasive, the least costly procedures that are going to accomplish what the patient wants to do. Because especially when we get into elective procedures, such as aesthetic treatment, which we do a tremendous amount of, it is really needs to be driven by the patient's values and goals and objectives. And, you know, I may sit there and look at it and say, well, I want to make this patient a 10. Well, not all patients want to be a 10. You know, and if, if we can make that patient an 8 or a seven and a half or a, a 9, perhaps the cost of making them a 10 in less procedures, I think that's the way to go. And so there needs to be that dialogue and exchange between the dentist and the patient. Remember, we're here to take care of you, not for you to take care of us. And I, another one thing, one of my great mentors always said, and I, I say this to virtually every patient that's getting involved with extensive work is, you know, I'm here to help you with your problems, not to create problems for you. And if, if the procedure's cost-wise or, or just procedurally what's involved time-wise, if that's causing more of a problem, you know, there are other things that are more, as much as I love teeth and love dentistry, I understand that people have more important things in their lives oftentimes. And that's just the reality of what we learn as we get older. Yeah, you mentioned to me one time that uh, sort of a, one of your, your mantras is that dentistry uh, that you look at it is dentistry that changes lives one life at a time. Yeah. Uh, how, how has that been playing out for you for these uh, 40 years? Well, very much, much more. That's much more of what I'm getting into. And actually, that title is from a, a, a course that I gave just recently to the, Ameri- the, the, um, the Greater Cleveland Dental Society. They asked me oftentimes to give presentations to the other dentists in the area. And that was the, the topic that I chose. And the idea of that is, is that we need to understand that, that dentistry isn't just about keeping teeth and having a pretty smile about being pain-free and not just being free of of tooth pain but being free of jaw pain we talked about that before the number one cause of head and neck pain actually is related to the teeth and not cavities but how the teeth function so when patients come in and again most of my patients are referred with you know with some fairly advanced problems you know one of the most rewarding things we can do is not only help them keep their teeth but to get them out of pain and to really i mean some of these patients are in pain they are in enabling pain to where they can't even function and so being able to take care of not just a smile but doing dentistry whatever is involved complete dentistry that gives that patient improves that patient's quality of life whatever those issues may be that they have you know carl we have about a minute left and uh, i was wondering is there anything new on the horizon i mean it seems like dentistry has reached its peak uh what oh, no. oh, what, what else is out is there anything out no. there to learn <laughs> Yeah, dentistry is almost changing, almost like technology. It's almost growing exponentially, which means it's changing more and more and more rapidly. One of the one of the nice, exciting things that we're involved with getting back to implants now is in the past, all implants have been made out of titanium. Well, now we are doing more and more ceramic or zirconium implants. And a lot of patients that have metal allergies and issues like that and immune system issues is that we are using the ceramic implants now. The, the ceramics that we're using both for our implants, even our restorations of zirconia, seems to have a tremendously high biocompatibility. You know, we do this, and the gums always look beautiful. You know, around the old metal crowns, the gums never looked quite looked as nice. The gums and the bone around these zirconia restorations and implants, it's just beautiful. It looks like it's Mother Nature. I mean, it looks like the, the body tends to accept that zirconia material almost as if it's a, a normal, natural material rather than something foreign to the body and that really is exciting well you know what we need to do is sort of get some of these pictures on our website for the radio show and uh let people take a look at, at what you mean on some of these things because it's uh i i think to me dental work is just such a pain if you don't get it taken care of so we have to do that but uh, as always we appreciate uh, carl you coming on the radio show and, and giving us an update on what's going on in modern dentistry so that uh 
We can have sleepful nights and restful nights and a good smile. Carl, thank you so much. Thank you, Nick, and thank you everyone here that's listening. I, I really appreciate it, and thank you for the opportunity to share this information with everybody, Nick, okay? Oh, you're welcome. Take care. We're gonna, that was Dr. Carl Hedgie from North Royalton. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back after these words, so don't go away. You're listening to Nick Phillips here on WHK, The Advocate. Hi, I'm Pat Lamb. Select Insurance Services is a family-run business and your personal shopper for auto, home, and business insurance. Plus, I'm Dave Ramsey's endorsed local provider. I think you'll agree, insurance is confusing, but at the same time, it's very important to your financial security. We believe insurance should be secured through a professional. Why? Because one wrong click in the do-it-yourself plan could cost you everything. Our approach stands out because we ask the right questions, listen to your personal situation, and share our knowledge to close potential coverage gaps. This is an experience a do-it-yourself plan can't provide. Did you know there could be a coverage gap when you drive someone else's car? So call us today, 440-237-8555, or check us out at selectinsservice.com. 440-237-8555, or selectinsservice.com. Hi, this is Nick Phillips, host of the Advocate. Pat Lamb and Select Insurance have been my insurance agents for years. Wonderful to work with and never a hassle. Call Pat Lamb at Select Insurance for your insurance needs. You didn't plan it this way. You spent your entire life being careful, protecting your body and staying healthy when the carelessness of another changes your life forever. You need to know what's expected of you to prove your claim. You further have been changed forever. Know it's up to you to make your case. The lawyers at Phillips and Millie together have over 80 years of experience. If you have a case or think you may, call the law firm of Phillips and Millie at 440-243-2800. Children, the product of a married couple who were once in love. Unfortunately, sometimes the marriage does not work and parents must get divorced. This is traumatic for the children as well as for the adults. The law firm of Phillips and Millie offers advice and representation in family law matters. Remember, your children are entitled to the utmost consideration when mom and dad have to part. Phillips and Millie, your local law firm on the west side of Middleburg Heights. Telephone 440-243-2800. More than just a dentist, Dr. Carl Hedgie provides dental treatments for occlusions, TMJ problems, and for aesthetic rehabilitation. In dental practice for over 30 years, Dr. Hedgie has provided state-of-the-art dental treatment for all of his patients. Dr. Carl Hedgie is skilled at treating and resolving complicated dental problems. Located across from the North Royalton High School, call Dr. Hedgie's office for an appointment or visit his website at drhedgie.com. That's Dr. Carl Hedgie, H-E-G-Y-I at 440-237-3338 for the very best in dental care. Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another segment of The Advocate. In the next uh, two segments, we're going to be talking about caregiving. You know, if we live long enough, we uh, may be the recipients of a caregiver, or if we have older parents or relatives or disabled uh, family members or friends, we may find ourselves in that situation of being a caregiver. We're going to be talking tonight, and we have her on the line now. Uh, We're talking to Jennifer Fitzpatrick. Jennifer, thank you so much for calling. Uh, Where are you calling from? Where are you calling from? Oh, Maryland. Thanks, Nick. Maryland, yes. Uh, And uh, tell us a bit about yourself, because you wrote a book called Cruising Through Caregiving, which seems like an oxymoron. I don't know how you can cruise through caregiving because uh, it's a very difficult task it, it's not well my philosophy is caregiving is no vacation but if you put your mind to it you can cruise more smoothly through the process well you have to do some kind of mind games to uh, to get to that point because it is work it's very difficult work uh, well tell us a little bit about your background and uh, where you come from and, and how you got interested in this subject Sure. So I am a clinical social worker and a certified uh, speaking professional. I have been in the field of healthcare for 30 years. So since I was in high school, I worked in a senior living community when I was 16 and so fell in love with older adults. I actually had really terrific grandparents who were not only my grandparents, but were some of my best friends. And I saw a lot over the years in working in healthcare 
working in senior living that people who were family caregivers, whether they were spouses, whether they were adult children or grandkids, they were so stressed out caregiving. And like you said, Nick, caregiving is exhausting, but I saw so many ways that they could make their lives less stressful if they tried. And so that's a lot about what I write about, what I speak about. Uh, I speak at a lot of conferences about this very topic, about how to reduce the stress of caregiving. That's something that I think is so critical because if you don't have somebody who feels good taking care of you, then your care is going to suffer. Well, that, that is so true. I think for those of us who are not involved in active caregiving at this point, uh, we, we may have some uh, preconceived notions of, of what the person needing care is all about and how much care do we need to give them. But uh, as people age, if you know someone like uh, a parent, as is most common, uh, they suddenly don't become totally dependent upon a caregiver. It's a gradual thing that develops. Uh, Right, and most, the thing that I think a lot of us don't realize is most older adults are independent. They can take care of themselves, but when somebody starts to, like you said, have a gradual decline and they start to need care, it, it really can become difficult, not just for the family member who has to do the work, but it's hard for that person who's aging to accept that they can't do things for themselves. Well, I've, I've seen that a uh, number of times. Uh, one of the big things, and, and we've talked about this before your interview, is the idea of someone transitioning as they're aging and they're declining and uh, they are taking care of themselves and they're totally independent. And one of the first things that's going to really hit home here is they shouldn't be driving anymore because of a variety of reasons, vision, maybe mental memory as to where they're going or where they're coming from. Uh, how how do you address that situation? That's the big one. Well, we have to look at this in two different categories. The category of the person who has dementia and then the person who does not have dementia. And I believe the approaches have to be quite different. So which one do you want to start with, Nick? Well, let's, uh, let's start with vision because that's sort of more of a physical thing and... Uh, I would, I would think that uh, people, as their vision is fading and they don't get cataract surgery or they have macular degeneration, they're going to keep driving uh, until um, either they decide on their own, which I guess they ultimately have to do, or someone actually brings that point home to them. So how do we handle so, that? So, Nick, you're talking about, okay, somebody does not have dementia, but they've got some physical issues right. that are making them a less effective driver. Well, very unsafe. So for you bring up vision, there's a lot of things that can happen. So for one, all of us, as we get older, our reflex and our reaction time slow down. So just merely getting older makes us a little less quick to slam on the brakes if somebody goes through a red light. But like you brought up the issue of vision, if you have vision problems, if you have debilitating arthritis, if you have any other, maybe you have a seizure disorder, if you have any other kind of condition, that needs to be looked at and it's really important for people to be talking to their doctors and saying, you know, is this something that we, I should be looking at my driving? If you're a friend or a family member, you know that your loved one does not necessarily want to hear this. So my advice is to be specific about why you're concerned about the driving. So for one reason to share is observations that you have made. Mom, we were in the car and you didn't seem to see that that stop sign. Mom, you were going below the speed limit on this day. Uh, Mom, you know, you seem like you've had a, a number of fender benders on these dates. These are concerns for me. And know that you're opening up the conversation. It's unlikely on that day when you bring your observations to your loved one that they're going to say, sure, you know what, I'm going to stop driving. Well, uh, as as you're going through this, is there a point in time where the uh, adult child says, I'm taking the keys? I always hear that phrase, we we took the keys from mom or we took the car keys from dad. Does, does that happen, and, and what leads up to that? Well, Nick, you bring up a great point, but 
that's that's the difference between somebody who has a dementia diagnosis and someone that doesn't. You're an attorney. You know this better than anybody. It, we have a lot of rights, and if you are you have capacity and you're legally competent, you even if your doctor says stop driving, even if your adult child says I don't want you to drive anymore, ultimately it's the decision of the individual. And in a lot of ways, that's good, but it can be very scary and very dangerous. So I think what we have to do as concerned family members, friends, neighbors, we have to continuously broach the conversation and bring evidence. Here's my concerns. This diagnosis happened. Don't make it about you're 90 and you're unsafe. Talk to them about specifically what's wrong. And the other thing that you might suggest to them is go to an AARP smart driver course. So AARP has in-person and online courses that people can take, and one of the incentives for people to do this is that most insurances are gonna give you a discount if you take the course. And so let's say that you're 55 and your mother's 80. Maybe you both go. You maybe make it a holiday gift. You both go, you take the course, and maybe, during the course of this, either one of two things will happen. One, mom is not gonna do well in the course and she's gonna realize that there's some issues or maybe she's going to tighten up some of her driving skills during the course and maybe she'll be a better driver. So I don't think that using a resource like that could hurt. That sounds like a good idea. And, and as long as uh, you know mom or dad, uh, they're still with us yet mentally, but we, we're talking about dementia as a, another another condition that would develop that would make driving dangerous. Uh, what are some of the first signs uh, of, of serious dementia? We have the age-related uh, forgetfulness, like where did I put the car keys? But right. uh, when, when does it escalate to the point that you should be concerned as an observer? Well, I think a lot of times we think about little things like forgetting the, the keys or losing your phone. We all do that. That's really nothing to be concerned about. But, you know, maybe you, you leave your phone in the refrigerator oh. or you put your keys under the deck behind your house. I mean, putting stuff in really places that it really just does not make a whole lot of sense. But more than that, you forget, like, you know, Thanksgiving is coming upon us. The holiday season is upon us. And you forget what you did for the holidays. You forget, let's say your granddaughter tells you that she's pregnant. If you forget something as big as that, that's a concern. I'm not saying, okay, you forget that you had a doctor's appointment. You, you might forget if you didn't write it down. But something as big as your granddaughter's telling you she's having a baby, that is something that would be a concern. We also see poor judgment, confusion. Uh, so maybe going out in the winter time, like now where it's so cold, and you're going out in really light clothing, or you go outside in a snowstorm with no shoes on or your flip-flops on, those would be signs that something is off. Uh, another example might be that you go to pick up, maybe you pick mom up, you're, you're going to a bridal shower, and mom always dresses really nicely for an event like that. And you go to pick her up, and she looks like all the clothes that she has on came out of the laundry hamper. Oh, I, I can see so, that happening. We're going we're to take a short break. We're talking to uh, Jennifer Fitzpatrick, uh, an expert on uh, dealing with uh, people who are getting old, which hopefully we will all grow to be old and how to uh, deal with a caregiver and how to care to, the caregiver should be dealing with the parents. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back with Jennifer in a few moments. Don't go away. You're listening to Nick Phillips here on WHK, The Advocate. More than just a dentist, Dr. Carl Hedgie provides dental treatments for occlusions, TMJ problems, and for aesthetic rehabilitation. In dental practice for over 30 years, Dr. Hedgie has provided state-of-the-art dental treatment for all of his patients. Dr. Carl Hedgie is skilled at treating and resolving complicated dental problems. Located across from the North Royalton High School, call Dr. Hedgie's office for an appointment or visit his website at drhedgie.com. That's Dr. Carl Hedgie, H-E-G-Y-I. 
Bye at 440-237-3338 for the very best in dental care. Hi, I'm Pat Lamb. Select Insurance Services is a family-run business and your personal shopper for auto, home, and business insurance. Plus, I'm Dave Ramsey's endorsed local provider. I think you'll agree, insurance is confusing, but at the same time, it's very important to your financial security. We believe insurance should be secured through a professional. Why? Because one wrong click in the do-it-yourself plan could cost you everything. Our approach stands out because we ask the right questions, listen to your personal situation, and share our knowledge to close potential coverage gaps. This is an experience a do-it-yourself plan can't provide. Did you know there could be a coverage gap when you drive someone else's car? So call us today, 440-237-8555, or check us out at selectinsservice.com. 440-237-8555, or selectinsservice.com. Hi, this is Nick Phillips, host of the Pat Lamb and Select Insurance have been my insurance agents for years. Wonderful to work with and never a hassle. Call Pat Lamb at Select Insurance for your insurance needs. Children, the product of a married couple who were once in love. Unfortunately, sometimes the marriage does not work and parents must get divorced. This is traumatic for the children as well as for the adults. The law firm of Phillips and Millie offers advice and representation in family law matters. Remember, your children are entitled to the utmost consideration when mom and dad have to part. Phillips and Millie, your local law firm on the west side of Middleburg Heights. Telephone 440-243-2800. Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with our final segment of The Advocate for tonight. Again, thank you for joining us. And we'd like to welcome again Jennifer Fitzpatrick, an expert in uh, caregiving and helping senior citizens out. Jennifer, thank you so much for calling. Thanks, Nick. Uh, We were talking about dementia and and watching it uh, grow uh, and gradually becoming more pronounced that people will have to lose their driving privileges, like if they don't know where they're going, they're, they're lost, and, uh, and other things that you mentioned during the last segment, uh, doing in really inappropriate things and not remembering significant things, danger signs there. But, but going beyond that as a caregiver, uh, people, there's always, where there are multiple children, uh, there's usually one child who's going to take the role of caregiver uh, or they, the parents go to a nursing home if it's way beyond what the children can handle. What are some of the thoughts and things that uh, an adult child listening to the program now, seeing this in their parents, that they're getting older and starting to show signs of, of really being needy? What, what should they look for and how should they handle that? So as far as dementia goes, we talked about some of those signs, but other signs might be that the person's starting to isolate, not going out of the house. Maybe there could be a variety of reasons. There could be depression. It could be dementia. It could be the person just doesn't feel well anymore, that maybe their arthritis is really flaring up. But any kind of withdrawal, that's a concern. Uh, One thing that you find often is living in one room of the house or in two rooms of the house. So it might be, maybe you live out of town and you come back to Cleveland for the holiday season and everybody's gathering at your sister's and you don't actually go to mom's house. Go over, make sure you visit mom's house and take a look around. I'm not saying be be a snoop, but see, I mean, are there dishes piled up? Does it look like she's been sleeping on the couch because she can't navigate the stairs anymore? So, you know, that, those are some big things. Forgetting to take medicine is another really big one. Oh, good point. And do listen, a, we all do a pill count. get medicine. Yeah. Well, one, another thing is uh, do a pill count, see if they have their 30 days yeah. of medication and it's all there yet. Or, mm-hmm. or, or check the refrigerator always seemed to be a good thing to do. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you, you, you get it, Nick. Checking the refrigerator, is, are, is it ex- items in the refrigerator expired or are they, you know, is there, is there actually enough food in there? So those are some signs that the person might need a little bit of extra help. But again, we were talking earlier about driving. Observe the driving. Uh, is the person going the speed limit? Going too slow is often a sign that something's wrong. I could see that. Uh, very, very tenuous. Well, as, as people are, are becoming more and more in need of caregiving, uh, I think from 
from the caregiver's standpoint, uh, it, it translates into time. The person requires more and more time. And, and your book uh, called Cruising Through Caregiving, we, we talked before the interview about making or, or creating, I suppose, uh, uh, images in your mind as far as how you can do this successfully and cruise through caregiving and, and make it easy? I mean, what, what are some of the tips to make smoother. it, make it caregiving, smoother? Caregiving, I said, we were talking, Nick, Nick uh, was saying, how can caregiving be a cruise? What yeah, the right. idea is, is that caregiving is never going to be a vacation, but if you put your mind to it, you can cruise more smoothly through the process. And in Cruising Through Caregiving, you can actually download a free chapter, cruisingthroughcaregiving.com. But every chapter is 15 chapters, and every chapter is a different way to reduce the stress of being a family caregiver. Well, and uh, you know, some of the names of some of the chapters are uh, the older adult is still an adult. Uh, I remember just in our own experiences how adults, no matter what their incapacities, physical or, or mental or emotional, they, they want to have some control over something. You, you can't uh, treat them like a child. That becomes a problem. And we see people do that a lot. So let your parent or your, your loved one do what they can. I remember seeing my aunts and uncles dropping off my grandmother at the door of a restaurant when she could walk. And I know it's very chivalrous and gentlemanly and all that good stuff, but I would say, hey, let's just let's just all park and walk together because she's, she needs, this is her exercise. She wasn't going to the gym or running marathons, but when she was still able, let her walk. Yeah, I, I could see that, uh, that you have to keep them going, keep them engaged with, uh, with society and not be isolated and becoming uh, un unable to care for themselves. I know one of the um, chapters you have is called uh, Think Really Hard Before Moving In and Think Really Hard Before Quitting Your Job. You know, we're, we're talking now about uh, you know, the, the advancements toward the uh, end-of-life issues for, for people you're caregiving for. How, what are some of the things you should think about before you actually quit your job and move in? Right. So in Cruising Through Caregiving, the chapter on moving in, I think a lot of times people think, well, if I'm a good caregiver, if I'm a good son, good daughter, I should either move in with my mom or she should move in with me. But I think you need to think really hard about, well, one is logistics. Like, say you have three teenage daughters and, you know, mom moves in and she's now going to have to share a bathroom with them. Is that going to work out logistically? Also, does your spouse get along or your partner? Who, you know, what are the dynamics going to be in your household? I think sometimes we assume that expenses are going to go down if your loved one moves in. Maybe there's, there's less rent to pay or mortgages or what have you, but is, is, is your loved one going to contribute? How's that going to work financially? So I think you just, it's a good thing. Some families it works out great. In some families it does not. So you want to just think about it. Think about the logistics. There's actually a worksheet in the book, and actually you can download this worksheet for free on cruisingthroughcaregiving.com. Um, and it's, again, it's a worksheet on should, I, should we move in? Should mom move in or should I move in with her? And it gives you some questions to really ponder, does this make sense for me, my mom, my family? You know, we, we talk about um, the skills that you have to endure. I know one of the... One of the problems that people think about is what, what happens when mom or dad becomes incontinent and has to be showered and all of this stuff. Is this something that uh, people can do, or what about the people who just can't bring themselves to do that? Well, it's interesting that you say that, Nick, because there's a lot of people that that does not come naturally to them to take care of, of their loved one, helping them in the bathroom, and that's okay. But maybe something else comes naturally to you. Maybe helping with the bills or maybe just sitting with them and watching a football game. Um, by the way, congratulations for last night. Huh. Um, so except for the fight part. <laughs> right, exactly. I watched that again this morning. Uh, but you can't yeah, miss but that one. <laughs> I, I, uh, I think that you got to look at um, what are you good at? Like maybe you're not good at helping in the bathroom, but can you prepare meals? Maybe you can go to the pharmacy and get the medicine or take him to the doctor. So 
so it's I think it, it, don't ever feel bad because there's certain tasks that you are not great at or you don't want to do. That's okay. I know when my husband's dad, my father-in-law was really sick, my husband said, I'll do anything except help him in the bathroom. He felt way uncomfortable. He said, I'll, I'll do errands. I'll, I'll give him his medicine. I will prepare meals. I'll cook. I'll do anything you want. But I just, I can't do that. I don't want to. And, you know, it worked out fine because everybody else in the family was okay with that. And everybody had their, their strengths. And it's okay to bring help in. You know, we, we have only a, a minute to go and we're out of time, but real quickly, there's coming a time, I would suppose, that the family just can't handle it and you have to put someone in a nursing home. And uh, many old people say, never put me in a nursing home. I don't want to go there. Uh, briefly, how do you handle that? Well, gosh, you sure gave me a lot of time for that one, yeah, Nick. I know. Maybe we're uh, going we're to have you on again that. sometime. <laughs> so. Increasing to caregiving, we have a lot of discussion about that, that, you know, there are lots of ways to be a good caregiver just because you make the decision to utilize senior living, nursing home, adult day, hospice, home care. Um, you know, nobody just don't, I mean, you don't want to make that decision lightly, but you have to also look, is it too, what, what the care that that person needs too much for you? If it's too much for you and the family to do it at home, you have to let yourself off the hook and say, if it's too much for us, if we're all exhausted, if we all can't work, if we are, are completely spent, it might actually be better for my parent or my loved one to go somewhere where they can have round-the-clock care. Well, on, on that note, we're going to have to have you back some other time to talk about thank you, Nick. all the other issues. But thank you so very much, Jennifer Fitzpatrick and her book, Cruising Through Caregiving. If you're facing a caregiving situation, yeah, check out the book, Cruising Through Caregiving. Jennifer, thank you so much. Thanks, Nick. Thank you, and thank you for listening. We'll be back again next week, same time, same station. So between now and then, have a great week. Good night. And I sat and watched the Zanzibar sunset Sat and drank my fresh mint tea With nothing to do